Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to NaphtaliaTribeTV.com. I am Professor Jacob Abraham. What is salvation? This is the topic of discussion in this video. The usual meaning of salvation is deliverance and protection from danger or suffering. The word signifies victory, health or preservation. Bible uses the term to denote spiritual salvation from sin as well as the physical deliverance. There are more than one Hebrew word used in the Old Testament to signify salvation. The most frequent Hebrew word is yasa. It means to save, help in distress, rescue, deliver and set free. The word is often used in the Old Testament to mean the physical or material deliverance. Salvation in the New Testament also include material preservation, health, well-being and healing. The word in Christian theology more often speaks of the spiritual deliverance. Salvation is the overriding theme of the entire Bible. It is a historical reality. It has a past, present and future. Salvation is a process with a beginning and an end. According to the Christian faith and practice, salvation is deliverance by God's grace from sin and its consequences of eternal punishment. By salvation we are transformed into the newness of life in Jesus Christ. Salvation is saving human beings from death and separation from God by Christ's death and resurrection. And justification follows salvation. Christian salvation is victory in Jesus, victory over sin and the works of Satan, spiritual wellness and the gift of eternal life. The Old Testament writers see salvation as a reality more than physical than spiritual and more social than individual. During the Old Testament period, individuals were chosen for the good of the community and as representatives of God for some greater work. Salvation from sin was not totally absent in the Old Testament. Prophets often spoke about sin and salvation. For example, prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel spoke about the salvation from uncleanness, iniquity and idolatry. They spoke also about a new heart of flesh and a new spirit which will finally empower his people to keep the commandments. Thus we understand that salvation in the Old Testament has a historical past and an anticipated future. That means salvation from physical slavery has occurred in the past by exodus from Egypt, but still they expect a salvation from all their national enemies that will happen in future. God had saved Israel in the past and so God can deliver in the future from all their enemies. For the Jews, salvation is a real present experience and an appointed sure future. Salvation was always attributed to God alone, none but God can save. In the New Testament, Jesus related salvation to the advance of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God signifies a sphere of reality in which God reigns sovereign. Thus, Jesus deepens the Old Testament conviction that salvation belongs to God and God alone. Jesus explains the New Testament concept of salvation to Nicodemus that salvation is spiritual birth. It is a birth from above without which none can enter the kingdom of God. Salvation is described in more than one way in the New Testament by the apostles. What we are saved from, do we really need salvation? 
Bible tells us that by the fall of Adam and Eve, the first humans all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin has separated us from God. The consequence of sin is death. Salvation is being saved from the righteous judgment of God upon the sinner. Salvation is victory over sin. The deliverance from the consequence of sin and therefore involves the removal of sin. In the New Testament, salvation is not being saved from our self or from the devil. The devil binds us through his works. Devils bind us through the works of the flesh. Adam and Eve were subdued by the devil through the works of flesh. Devil tempted them with the desires of the flesh and they fell to it. Thus the first humans fell into the bondage of Satan through sin. Sin keeps us in the bondage and only sin can keep us in the bondage of Satan. Jesus was tempted by Satan but could not subdue him to his slavery because Jesus did not sin. All who have sinned against God are under the judgment of God. This judgment is known as damnation where God condemns all those who have offended him by breaking his law to eternal hell. This does not mean that God is unfair. This shows that God is holy and righteous. God must punish the sinner. God cannot and will not ignore the person who has broken his righteous law. The law is a reflection of the character of God. Therefore, to break God's law is to offend God and to deny the holiness of his character. But God has provided salvation for the judgment and eternal damnation. This means that God is both holy and loving. So salvation is salvation from the wrath of God. The New Testament repeats the Old Testament affirmation that salvation belongs to God alone. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the person, Jesus, in whom we see the presence of God and the only way to salvation. The core of the salvation message is that it is available in Jesus alone and is dependent on God alone. Salvation comes to those who repent and by faith receive Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. This is how salvation works. All of us have sinned against God and deserve judgment. But Jesus never sinned. He lived the law of God perfectly. In this he has a perfectly righteous standing before God. God used the crucifixion as the means to place the sins of the world upon Jesus. Jesus bore our sins in his body and suffered in our place on the cross. No sinner could please God perfectly and no sinner could offer a perfect sacrifice to God. And there is nothing we can do that is righteous before God. We cannot please an infinitely holy God by anything we do. But Jesus who is perfectly righteous before God, the Father, died in our place. What we could not do, he did. To escape the righteous judgment of God, we should trust in the sacrifice of God. The righteousness of Christ is given to us and thus we are declared right before God. Once you have trusted in what Christ has done, then you possess eternal life and you will never face the judgment of God. We receive the righteousness by accepting, trusting and believing that Jesus died for the atonement of our sins. Jesus died for us and in our place. The Bible calls this process a salvation by grace through faith. Salvation is not a one-time process. It is a long journey. Our decision to turn away from sin and accept Jesus Christ as, uh, as our Lord and Savior is the first step. 
from there we start our journey to the perfection of it so notice speaks of the past present and future fulfillment of salvation in fact we are elected for salvation through christ before the foundation of the world in hope we were saved by the power of god revealed through the cross Ephesians 2:8 says for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god but apostle paul admonished his readers to work out their salvation with fear and trembling 1 Peter 1:5 says that and there is yet a salvation that lies waiting to be revealed in the last time. Romans 5:9 speaks about the fulfillment of salvation much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him. That means we are saved, we are being saved and we will be saved in future. The past dimension of salvation is the justification a redemption and reconciliation that happens when we repent from sin and accept Jesus Christ the present dimension is a sanctifying work of the holy spirit this is a continuous process that goes on as long as we live in this earth the future dimension is the glorification glorification is the culmination of the saving process wherein believers will experience Christ's presence in new and resurrected bodies no longer burdened by the vestiges of sin this happens in the last days after we attain a transformed body and start living with our lord how we are saved from sin and its effects by the death of one man this is a crucial question in understanding the salvation Jesus lived and died long before in a far away country. He was a member of an ethnic group to which most of us do not belong. Jesus was not a social worker. He was not a political agitator, economist or a freedom fighter of the time. He was a Jewish rabbi that too is not so special about him during his lifetime. There were many other rabbis during the time. Some even performed miracles also and some claimed that they were the expected Jewish messiah. Jesus was betrayed by one of his own disciples and he died humiliated hanging naked on the cross bleeding to the last drop. How can this man and his humiliating death save human beings from sin this question was very important that the apostles in the first century faced from the greek philosophers in fact notice does not give a detailed explanation to solve this conundrum apostles in the notice men speaks of different dimensions of salvation as ransom adoption victory deliverance etc but none of these concepts tell us how one man dies for everybody The right answer is that one man for all is a principle of God for mankind that is revealed from the creation itself one man Adam represented the whole human beings Adam sinned and all human became sinners one man Jesus sacrificed himself for the atonement of all human beings and all are saved 1 Corinthians 15:21 for since by man came death by man also came the resurrection of the dead at sinai god proclaimed israelites as god's nation and there he gave them the statutes and laws for the nation 
and their god instituted the day of atonement and the sacrifice for the remission of their sins the sacrifice was observed on a particular day every year the day of atonement is known as yom kippur in hebrew details of the day and the sacrifice is recorded in leviticus 16:1-34 it occurred once in every year on the 10th of tishri the 7th month of hebrew calendar on this day the high priest would perform the sacrifice and other rituals to atone for the sins of the people the ritual began by a ritual washing of iron the high priest then he was dressed in a special garment of for the day then he sacrificed a bull as a sin offering for himself and his family after that iron also brought two gods one god is a scapegoat and the other is a sacrificial lamb aaron would sacrifice one god as an atonement for the uncleanness and rebellion of the israelites his blood was sprinkled on the ark of the covenant the carcass of the sacrifice animal was taken out of the camp and burnt then aaron placed his hand on the head of the second god and confessed over it the rebellion and the wickedness of the israelites then he sent the god away from the camp into the desert with an appointed man the god carried on itself all the sins of the people thus their sins are forgiven for the year one lamb shed its blood and life for the atonement of their sins and another lamb carried away the sins of the israelites into the wilderness it would never come back the first god was a sacrificial lamb that would shed its blood and life as a representative of the people and as a substitute for the people and the israelites should believe that the sacrifice of the lamb atoned for their sins and a reconciliation with the god has happened they should also accept by faith that the scapegoat carried away their sins and would never never return again to them this ritual has a lot of symbolic significance to the salvation in the new testament this ritual explains exactly what salvation is the gods are a type of christ and the ritual is a type for his crucifixion washing of aaron is the first ritual on the day Aaron was a sinner by nature of man and need a cleansing of sin he acknowledges the requirement of the washing away of his sins Aaron is representing the whole human beings who are in need of cleansing of sin but Jesus Christ made the once for all sacrifice for the sins of all human beings and thus the cleansing ceremony ceased The blood of the sacrificer God was sprinkled on the ark by the high priest to appease the wrath of God for the coming year. The second God carried away their sins into the wilderness and it did not cling to the people anymore. Thus they were forgiven and reconciled to God. God's wrath is appeased and the sins were removed. Christ on the cross effected both forgiveness and reconciliation. much more than having now been justified his by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath through him and he was the scapegoat who carried away our sins away thus when his sacrifice was made jesus declared it is finished he then sat down at the right hand of god and no further sacrifice was ever needed 
how do we receive salvation i have already said that we are saved by faith alone not by the merit of our works christ has done on the cross everything that has to be done for our salvation so in order to receive salvation first we must hear the gospel gospel tells us the good news of jesus death and uh, resurrection sin is our nature and a choice we are born in sin and our flesh is contaminated by sin but it is our choice to continue in sin god has gifted us with the free will to choose righteousness or sin choosing the righteousness of god and turning away from sin is repentance repentance is a changing of mind about sin and christ and calling on the name of the lord jesus christ and then we should believe and confess our faith in jesus christ and accept his lordship in our life we cannot do this without the grace of god god's grace will enable us to respond positively to the gospel of salvation the essential message of believing to be saved can be found in romans 10:9 that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be saved let me cut short this study hope this discussion has been a blessing to you thanks for listening and watching may god bless you all amen